Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Uh, well, we're glad you're here today, and uh, we're in the middle of a series. Last week, I started a series called The Higher Calling, uh, uh, the Higher Calling of Discipleship, and uh, we took a look at some things that are... Uh, we, we all know certain phrases. We talked about the Great Commission. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Great Commission. We all know what the Great Commission is. Uh, we took a look at that. And I, I want to just kind of do a bit of a review uh, today in part two uh, of the higher calling of discipleship. The, the Great Commission, most of us, when we think about the Great Commission, uh, we quote Mark's version of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So it's pretty simple. It's go, preach the good news to everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you too. So we, we kind of know Mark's version says that, Luke's version says a version of that, John's version says basically the same thing. So when you look at three of the four Gospels, it's mentioned in all four Gospels, but when three of the four, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same thing in all, in all three of those. Go, preach the good news to everyone. Go, preach the good news to everyone. But what we did is we took a look last week at Matthew's version uh, of, of the Great Commission, and it's a little... It's a little weightier. It's a little heavier. There's a little more meat on the bone, so to speak. And, uh, and I want to go ahead and say I am not in any way, shape, or form dismissing the value of preaching, simply preaching the good news to everyone. I believe every single person deserves not to hear just any news. They deserve to hear some good news. I'll try this out. <laughs> Do I need to get my Joel Osteen on? I believe everybody needs to hear some good news. No, that, that, the, the gospel, I've heard it said, it's not just the good news, it's the almost too good to be true news. That is what the gospel is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that long before we were ever even thinking about him, he was giving his life for us. He came to trade us our messed up life for his perfect life so that we could live the rest of our lives fully persuaded that God's smiling at us. He's not mad at us. He's not disappointed in us, but he's happy with us because he has to look through the filter of his perfect son, Jesus, before he even sees us. How many of you guys believe that's good news? How many of you guys believe that's good news? Come on, second service. Jesus is alive. Um, so yeah, I'm not minimizing the value of preaching the good news, but I want to read Matthew's version, and that's kind of the, the, the emphasis of this, of this series, The Higher Call of Discipleship. Starting in Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16, says this, says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm always with you, even to the end of the earth. So we've, we've got three versions that say go and preach a gospel, but Matthew takes it up a notch. Matthew says, don't just go and don't just preach the gospel, but make disciples of the nation. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And then he also says, and then teach them. Teach them everything that I've commanded you to do. And so you see a little bit more emphasis here on some things, and it, it lets us know that our Heavenly Father isn't satisfied with us just knowing Jesus. He's not satisfied with, with us living a life based on, you know what? Heard a great message one time. Pastor said I needed Jesus. Told me to close my eyes and bow my head and raise my hand if I needed Jesus, and I did. 
Now I'm going to heaven. Now I'm going back to Cinco de Mayo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope my jokes don't offend you. Most of them are terrible anyway. So, No, he, he didn't come for fire insurance. He didn't come just so we could pray a prayer one time and be a Christian. He, in other words, he didn't just come so we could go to heaven. He came so that we could have the promise of heaven on earth. He, he, he tells us to pray this prayer. We talk a lot about this, but it's got to get ingrained into our thinking. Jesus' theology, he's not going to tell us to pray a certain way that's outside of what he believes, outside of what he's going for as well. So when Jesus says, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wouldn't tell us to pray a prayer of heaven to earth if that was not what he really wanted in the first place. He didn't, he, the Lord's prayer is not, Lord, help us hang on for dear life until we get to heaven. Hopefully we can make it through this hell of earth that we're walking through right now. Just let us hold on. Give us the courage and the strength to make it through this terrible, awful place until your kingdom is where I'm living forever. That is not the Lord's prayer, by the way. No, he says, hey, yeah, you've got the promise of eternity. You've got the promise of heaven, but you've got another promise. You've got access to heaven now. Christians go to heaven. Disciples bring heaven to earth. Disciples live under an open heaven while they're here on earth. And so there is this desire from our heavenly Father that we don't just stop at what God has for us through just salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to redeem a whole new life for us while we are here on earth. And if we choose to not just allow him to save us, but allow him to be the Lord of our life and follow him, observe, just like the scripture says, observe every single thing that he's commanded us to do. And that, that's not a, a call to perfection. If you don't live perfect, you're not gonna get any of it. I'll just tell you this right now. Just a little bit of blessing from God is more than you can handle. Just a little bit of what he has is sometimes more than you can handle. But it's this call to live a different life. Don't just be saved, but be different. Don't just get saved, get different, get changed. Allow him to affect every single area of your life. And so we looked at Luke uh, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 is the story where Jesus is recruiting the first disciples. And so I think it, it, it's a good passage of Scripture for us to look at. If the Great Commission is telling us to make disciples, not just make Christians, but to make disciples, make fully devoted followers of Christ. If that's our assignment, that's also our, it's a, if it's our assignment as far as ministry is concerned, it's also our assignment as far as life is concerned. And so we looked at this scripture and this passage of scripture because what you find here is Jesus is recruiting the first disciples. So we get to look at it from a perspective of Jesus. What did Jesus do in making disciples? And also how did disciples or future disciples respond to Jesus. And last week we looked at a couple things that we saw that Jesus did. The first thing we saw that Jesus did is Jesus went to people. He didn't wait on people to come to him. Jesus went to people. Jesus wasn't afraid of the world. The world was not so dark that his light could not overpower it. He wasn't afraid of getting in somebody else's boat, so to speak. Jesus had a reputation for being a friend of sinners. Why? Because he hung out with sinners. It wasn't because sinners came to church every Sunday. It's because Jesus went to sinners. And as, as much as I value the local church and coming to church and getting people to come to church, before we ask people to come to church, maybe we should take church to people. And when I say take church to people, I'm not saying take guilt, shame, and condemnation about you should be in church. 
you need to get you some Jesus. Although some of us do need to get us some Jesus. But, but, but the point is not that we take, we take guilt, shame, condemnation, or rules, or regulation, or pressure in that regard. No, we take love. We take compassion. We take understanding. We take a heart to serve people. That's what Jesus did when he, he's walking along. He didn't wait for Peter to go to him. He didn't wait for the disciples to go to him. He went to them. The second thing you see that Jesus did, and it seems so simple, but it's, it's very, very important, is Jesus preached the word of God. Jesus preached the word of God. Jesus himself, as much as he was probably worthy and could preach his own opinions since he was God, he set down his godness to live a human life so that he could show us what kind of life we could live. Did you know that you have permission and power to do everything Jesus did in Scripture? Three people believe that. You have permission and power to do every single thing you see Jesus do in Scripture. In fact, Jesus said it this way, greater works than I do shall you do also because I go to my Father in heaven. If we start doing greater works than Jesus, dang. <laughs> greater works than he did. We have permission to do these things. We have the power to do these things. And so, like I said, Jesus went and he, he, he went, to their, went to their world, but then he came preaching the word of God. Jesus had, he, he, he could have preached his own word, but he set, that, he, set his God, he set his godness down, if you will, to live the life of a human being, to live, to live the life of a human being, to show us what, we, what we're supposed to be doing. He says, I don't say anything unless I've heard my father say it already. I don't do anything unless I've heard my father do it already. So Jesus himself said, I only, do what I, see her, I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear my father say. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. We don't have to come to people with our opinions, and we don't have to apologize for Scripture. Sometimes that's all people need is they, they need the truth. They need the Word. The Bible says that his words are life to those that hear it. Sometimes my words are not life to those that hear it. Sometimes your words are not life to those that hear it, but his words every single time are life to those that hear it. And that's why when we go into, this, into, into the world, so to speak, when we go, when we're sent into the marketplace, into our families, into, into wherever you have influence or relationship, the thing that's going to change people is the word. So I love that Jesus preached the word. And the last thing I, we talked about is Jesus wasn't afraid to challenge people. Jesus wasn't afraid to challenge people. He wasn't willing, he wasn't afraid to ask people to do something that made them feel uncomfortable. He wasn't afraid to, do, to, to, to challenge people to live by faith. Why? Because he wasn't just interested in making Christians. He was looking to make disciples. And Jesus knew the life of the disciple is going to be filled with opportunities, filled with challenges, filled with situations where you're going to be asked to do something, required to do something. To, to fulfill the call of God on your life, you're going to have to do things that don't make sense, and that do not feel good. I told this, I'd actually forgotten about it till this morning. We were all joking about it uh, this morning, but I had forgotten um, years ago when Leanne uh, went on a job interview uh, as a, for a worship leader position. Uh, we, we got there, never met these people, didn't know anybody. Uh, it was a church about, I don't know, three or 400 people, so it was the biggest church at the time I'd ever been in uh, or even thought about being a part of. And and so we, we go to this church, and she, she's interviewing for this worship leader position. And so we go in this little room. It was really nothing more than a closet, and there was about six or eight of us in there. And, um, 
the pastor says, uh, uh, and they didn't have a job position for me. I actually, we knew the Lord called us there after they offered us a job. Uh, I went and took a job hanging drywall part-time uh, just to try to make ends meet because we knew that God had called us there. But, uh, and so she was the one that they were after. She's always been the show pony, and I've just been <laughs> carrying her saddle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we go, into this, we go into this little closet or whatever, and, and I just kind of stay hung on the back. And uh, I'm in the, outside the door there, and uh, the pastor says, you know what, why don't we all just worship right now? And he's like, you mean like right now? Like, like right now? Yeah, yeah, let's just grab a guitar. And let's just, so her job, that was her interview. It's like, let's just worship right now. I was like, ooh, talk about get put on the spot. I kind of felt sorry for her at the time. And so they grabbed a couple of guitars, and everybody just starts, he starts playing, and they start worshiping, and I just kind of sat back at the, at the door, edge of the door, and I just sang quietly to myself, sang a little harmony. And, uh, and so, uh, why is that funny? I can sing harmony. I'm offended. So anyway, I, I, I just kind of follow along there, and all of a sudden they kind of finish, and the pastor turns to me, and he says, oh, so you sing too? I said, oh, no, 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 I, I, don't, I don't do that. And I never had sang in, in my life on, in a microphone on a stage, never wanted to, never had a desire to. And I said, oh, no, no, I don't, I don't sing at all, actually. And he goes, no, I heard you, you, you know harmonies. And I was like, well, I, you, you, the devil was deceiving you. I was not. <laughs> that was actually not me. And uh, he said, no, no, you're, you're good. He said, in fact, what? I tell you what, why don't you and your wife just join our worship team tonight for practice and y'all can uh, sing in the service tomorrow night? And I was like, nope, we're not taking this job, not whatsoever. And, uh, and so uh, we kind of, I was like, I can't believe he's asking me to do this. And so um, I said, well, I, I, I guess, I, and I'm thinking in my head, I, you know what, background vocal, you stay in the back, you lip sync, people make millions of dollars doing that anyway, so uh, I can do this. And so we go, we go to practice that night, and I, when I say I'm terrified, I am smooth terrified. I've always had a dream to sing. I want to sing. I wish I could sing. I wish I was Justin Timberlake. That's neither here nor there. And, but I, I've always had that little thing in my heart, and, but it is not a reality. So I, I go to practice. I'm terrified. I'm sitting in the back trying to just mind my own business, and the band leader says, hey, you know what? You, got, you know this song. Why don't you just lead this song? Jesus, take the wheel. And uh, so that night, within 24 hours, I went from having never sang in my entire life to having to lead worship for a church of three or 400 people that I did not know. They didn't even know to give me the little courtesy clap when I finished. Like, oh, that was great. We know you're terrible, but that was excellent, you know. And I, but what I love about that is this guy, this, this pastor of mine, he was not afraid to challenge me on day one. And I can say this because he wasn't looking to make a Christian out of me. He was looking to make a disciple. He was looking to give me an opportunity to challenge my faith. See, of course, it took faith for him to let me sing because he church didn't, might not come back, but that was, where, that was his faith journey. But, but my faith journey was, will, will you do something you've never done that absolutely terrifies you just because you're asked? And I, and I love that about Jesus. Jesus did that to, the, to Simon, or Simon Peter. He says, look, this, I know I just finished preaching this message and we just now met and all that good stuff, but hey, Go out in the middle of the water in front of all your friends and do something that does not make sense and try to convince them that you believe you're going to catch fish. Didn't make sense. And I love that because Jesus wasn't trying to make Peter a Christian. He was trying to make Peter a disciple. He introduced a challenge. Can I just say this, that some challenges are from God? Some challenges are from God. I should be clear. 
tsunamis, hurricanes, earthquakes, disasters are not from God. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible says he came to give life and life more abundantly. So he, the thief is the one who comes to kill and to, dis, and to steal and to destroy. He came to bring life. So when I say he comes to bring challenges, don't take that as meaning, yeah, that's probably why I have this symptom. That's probably why I have this disease. That's probably why this happened to this friend of mine that I know. That's probably, why, that's probably what happened to this city and why this city seems to see so much bad stuff happen to them because it's the sin and God is judging them. No, that is not the judgment of God. That is the consequence of sin. It's not his judgment. But there will be times where God will purposely introduce challenge into your life because he's trying to make disciples. And I, I love that. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump in with the story. We, we read this last week, Luke chapter 5. Uh, we looked at it from Jesus' perspective. Now let's just kind of look at it from Peter's perspective. How did Peter respond? What was, was Peter's role in this whole story? Luke 5, starting in verse 1, says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat at the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a single thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Love that story. So I want to take a look at what did, how did Peter respond. The first thing, and this is not necessarily a, a response of Peter's, but this did happen, and I think it, it's something that needs mentioning here, is that Peter heard the word of God. The first thing you see in this story is Peter hearing the word of God. Now, we addressed this last week, but it, we all can tell from, the, from this story, Peter didn't really get a choice as to whether or not he heard from God. We already talked about this. Jesus was the original OG. He just walked up, got in somebody else's boat, and says, hey, bro, push me out in your boat. Say something. <laughs> and so Peter, you know he had to have some kind of look that just said, don't mess with me right now. Because Peter just said, yes, sir, and slid his own boat out there in the water. So it wasn't like Peter got a choice. Jesus just jumped right in the middle of his boat and says, hey, I'm using your boat today. I'm fixing to preach a message. He pushes the boat out a little bit. Jesus preaches this message, and Simon hears the word of God. Simon, soon to be Peter the disciple, hears the word of God for the very first time. I shared this in the first, the first service. I, I've been saved longer than I even know, to be quite honest with you. I was... I was born in a Christian home. Uh, I'm quite certain that I didn't get a choice to receive Jesus. I'm pretty sure my mom and dad said, you're going to pray this prayer, you're going to get a busted. Um, <laughs> that's how long I've been saved. And, and so I, I literally don't have a recollection of me praying uh, that prayer for the very first time. But I can tell you story after story after story where I have encountered God and, and, and have heard God speak to me. But I just started putting myself in, in Simon's shoes of what must it felt like, and I it just reminded myself, what must it felt like for Peter sitting there for the first time and hearing 
the gospel from the gospel himself. The greatest preacher that ever walked the planet, grace and truth himself, preaching the message of grace and truth. Peter got to hear the word of God, and the next words out of his mouth were master. Something happened on the inside of, people, inside of Peter that he heard a message that changed this guy from a boat thief <laughs> to master. And I just, I just want to say this, and my heart's desire is not to bring guilt, shame, or condemnation. But I think we need to ask ourselves the question, do we still value the Word of God? Does it still mean everything to us? Do we believe so much that the Word of God will change our life, that we'll change our life to hear the Word of God? We, we've all got social media and, 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 and all and. and and the, the feeds, and, and I'm, I'm sure because you only click and like the things you should, there's never anything that bad that comes across your feed. Uh, so, so I'm sure that all of you are, are, are like mine where you, as you're scrolling through there, there's regularly Christ, Christian posts or sponsored ads from Christian things. So you get to see scriptures and you get to see Bible verses or an inspiring story or, or this or that or the other. Anybody, you know, you get those things on your social media feed. You ever notice sometimes you just keep on scrolling? You see so many of them, right? You just you keep on scrolling till you see a picture or a video of a street fight or <laughs> a picture of a kitten praying or, or whatever y'all stop on. I don't stop on either of those things. But. but have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we're, we, it's so easy. We live in a day and an age, and I, I, you know, we can, we, can, we can knock technology and we can knock social media, and I will say it has introduced some challenges and a lot of things in how we live life, how we do church, how we raise our kids. It, it's got its challenges, but can I tell you another thing that technology has done is it has made it incredibly easy for us to hear the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. And I just wonder if... if, if if it's gotten so easy, because that can also be very dangerous. When something's so easy to get a hold of, that can also be very dangerous, because sometimes we don't value things we don't have to pay for. We don't really value things that didn't cost us something. You may tell you how you know that? You've all driven a rental car before, right? Mario Andretti, all of a sudden, just spinning circles on the rental car. That one didn't cost you as much as your own car, so you, you, you treat it a little bit different. But I've just, I just wonder if it's, been, it's so easy for us to get the word, if it's so easy for us to hear the word, that all of a sudden it's gotten so easy that it's even lost its value to us. Do we still believe that the word of God can change our lives so much that we change our lives to hear the word of God? And all of a sudden I just get these images. I saw a video one time of... Uh, a delivery of Bibles to an underground church in China. And I watched a, a group of women, when this box was open, they grabbed that Bible and they clung it to their chest as if it was a, their newborn child. And I just wonder if they, if, how it might seem to them if, if they had an Instagram feed or if they had a Facebook feed that as they were scrolling they saw Scripture, if they didn't pause on that Scripture and stare so deeply and intently to it to maybe never forget the words that were on that screen because it might be the last time they ever saw the words on that screen. It might be the last time that they could read 
that scripture. I wonder if we have that same value for the word. I, again, this is not to bring guilt, shame, or condemnation, but this is just to remind us if we really believe that the word of God has the power to change our life, we will literally change our life to get the power of the word working in our life. We will change our schedule to hear the word of God. We will change our radio station presets, presets to make sure that we hear the God. We'll have podcasts downloaded where we're listening to the word of God every single day of our lives because we believe the word of God is that powerful. Has the word of God lost its value? Has the words of God become just another part of our life? Or is it the very source of our life? Romans 10, 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This life of faith cannot be sustained unless you're continually filling yourself up on the word of God, on the word of God. This is not a, again, this is, I'm hoping this is not bringing guilt, shame, and condemnation because that's not the goal, but I do hope it brings a conviction and a fervor to say, you know what, I may have to start changing my lifestyle a little bit to get to church more often. Or I may have to change my lifestyle a little bit to make sure that if I do miss church, I've got a podcast that I'm downloading and I'm listening to the word of God. And maybe if it just, maybe, 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 if it causes you while you're scrolling through Facebook to pause maybe a little more intently on some of those things that actually have value, that carry the source of the word of God or carry the word of God in any way, shape, or form. Peter heard the word. But maybe what's more important than Peter hearing the word is Peter didn't just hear the word, Peter responded to the word. Peter didn't just hear the word of God. Peter responded to the word of God. It's a very simple concept. James says it this way. I love this passage of Scripture. Let's just, let's kind of dissect this for just a second. James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Because anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after that, and after looking at himself, goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, notice if you look into the scriptures, if you look into the word and it doesn't produce freedom, you're misinterpreting the scripture. The scripture is not to make you feel bad, the scripture is there to make you feel good. It's there to, it's, it's there to to- tell the, the story of the gospel. So if it's the, if it's the true law of liberty, it's going to bring freedom. I love that. And continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. Just super quick, like I said, we're, we're almost out of time, but because the keyboard player came up. Real quick, three things that I want you to see, I see in this passage of Scripture. Here's three things, three things we, we do not want to see happen in our lives. Three things that happen when you just hear the Word, but you don't respond. When you just hear the Word, but you don't do anything with it. When you just hear the Word, but the Word doesn't cause you to change the way you live. The first thing it says is you become deceived. He says if you're a hearer only, you're, you're starting to deceive yourself. You're starting to convince yourself of a level of discipleship that you don't really have because disciples don't just hear the word. Disciples follow the word. What was, look, at, look at what Peter did. He heard the word. Next words out of his mouth were, Master, whatever you say, I will do it. 
He didn't say, you know what? It's a great word. Not really a great time to go fishing. Why don't you meet me back here in a couple hours? Sun starts to go down. Fish start, really start coming to the surface. Let's, how about we go fishing here in about three or four more hours? No. He didn't hear the word and make excuses as to why he couldn't do the word. He, he heard the word and said, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do it. When we hear the word and we don't do it, we deceive ourselves. Deception is the root of pride. We've all been around people that know a whole lot of Scripture. They ain't really doing a whole lot of Scripture. We've all been people who know a whole lot of Scripture at times and maybe haven't done it. Can I just say this? I'm convinced that if you want your life to change faster than ever, if you want to see results happen in your life faster than ever, if you want to encounter and experience God faster than ever, don't learn more Scripture, do more Scripture. Don't, we, we don't need to learn more Scripture necessarily. And again, let's preface, what did I say first? The Word of God is important. But not if we're not going to do anything with it. Not if the Word of God is just going to cause us to hear it, not do anything, and then become deceived. This thing can lead us to deception too is what it says if you don't do it. The second thing, I, man, I, just, I didn't see this until a couple of nights ago, but notice the example it gives. It says a person who, a person who hears the Word but doesn't do anything, he, he, he likens it to someone who looks into a mirror. I, I think that's fascinating. A mirror or a glass or whatever is the only device that when you look at it, what do you see? You. You see you. And so he says, he who, he, he who hears the word but doesn't do it is like a person who looks into something and then walks away and forgets who they are. Did you know that this, this word, we, we all know that this word tells us who Jesus is. But did you know that this word tells you who you are? This word isn't just to tell you what Jesus can do. This word isn't just to tell you what the Father can do or the Holy Spirit can do. This Bible is supposed to show you what you can do. So when you hear the word and you do the word, all of a sudden, this is what I love. Jesus goes on to say at the very end of the scripture, he says, those who do the word, they will be blessed. They will be blessed. Because when you hear the word and you do the word, it produces fruit in your life. And let me tell you, let me tell you what fruit does for you. It gets you into the no doubt category of Christianity. You know, there was a, there was a story where Jesus walked by a fig tree, wanted to get a, a fig, didn't have any figs on it, so he cursed the fig tree. They come by the next day, the, the fig tree had withered away. Anybody remember the story? The story of the fig tree? His disciples were like, yo, bro, that... That fig tree. What did you do to that fig tree? Here's what Jesus said. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Notice he says, have faith and do not doubt. Religion will tell you, if you ever have doubt, oh, that's not faith. I'm here to tell you just the opposite. Sometimes when you're walking by faith, you got a lot of doubt. In fact, I'll, I'll go so far as to say, I'll tell you what I think faith really is, is being willing to do something by faith, even when you doubt it's going to work. <laughs> but here's what I love. 
He says, have faith and do not doubt. You'll be able to say this mountain, be thou cast into the sea. You, you can chunk a mountain into the ocean. Uh, just, just pause for a second. You can speak. The mountains go into the ocean. That's packing some heat right there. From doing what? Having faith and not doubting. Now, here's the difference. I, those are two completely different things to me. The reason the Lord wants you to hear the word and respond to the word so that the word can produce fruit in your life is because fruit takes you from faith to no doubt. I'll give you an example. What if someone told you, hey, man, you need to start uh, inviting Pastor Braden over for dinner every now and then. Uh, I, heard, I heard that the Lord told him that every t- person that invites you over for dinner, he's supposed to go over to their house for dinner and leave him $1,000 before he leaves. I got a few invitations to dinner, by the way, after the first service. So. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor Braden, he's a pretty good dude. In fact, he, he's a real good dude. I, I, I know him. I, if, he, if, if, if you say that, I, I actually believe that because he's a pretty good guy. He, he might actually do that. Is that faith in, my, in, in me? Would, are you expecting that? Th- hey, let's say you invited me over. Would you have faith that I was going to give you $1,000? You might have faith, but do you have no doubt? No. Because who gives people $1,000 for going to dinner? So you might say, you know what? He's got a reputation. He's a good dude. I've heard a lot of people that I really trust say it. There may be faith. And by faith, you might say, hey, Pastor Bray, want to go to dinner? We might go to dinner, and you invite me over, and you cook, or whatever, and towards the end of dinner, you start getting that little butterfly in your stomach, looking at your wife like, think, you think it's going to happen? Think, maybe? Yeah, maybe? And then what if I were to reach in my pocket and say, hey, before I leave, and you're like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. Here it comes. Hey, you know what? The Lord told me that every person invited me over for dinner for the rest of the year, I'm supposed to give them a thousand bucks. So here's, here's ten frankens. Hand you a thousand bucks. Let me tell you what just happened in your life. You just went from faith to no doubt. Because you got the money to prove it. God's not just interested in us having theories. He's interested in us having stories. He doesn't just want us to have a theory of faith or a theory about what God can do. The goal, faith is not the goal. The Bible says there's going to come a day that's the end of faith. You know when that day is? When we see him, when we see him, and we see his, we feel his love in a way that cannot be explained in words. When we go to heaven and we see the mansions and we see the streets of gold, there will come a day where we will not have to have faith. Why? Because it will be manifested in front of us. And I just propose to you today that the Lord doesn't just want us to have faith on this earth. He wants us to go from faith to experience so now I ain't got no doubt. Last week we prayed for a uh, we prayed for a guy uh, in the service in the first service, and uh, I, I, little did I know the risk I was taking at the moment. But uh, there was a young man that came into the service, and he I, I was out in the parking lot uh, just greeting people as they came in the first service, and uh, th- this young man just walked by. Man, I just couldn't stop. The Lord just kind of highlighted him to me. I was like, hmm. well, in the middle of, in the in the service last week. I had this real strong unction that someone there in our service was dealing with a heart problem, and uh, I and I didn't know it, I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was. And, and the young man raised his hand, and I said, "Man, if you don't mind me asking, what exactly are are you going through?" And he said he kind of just kind of shrugged his shoulders. He goes, "Man, 
it's actually quite a bit, it's, and he kind of mentioned a few things, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord just came upon me, a spirit of faith just came upon me. And I just, I, I told him a story where I'd heard a guy who had had an encounter with God, in fact, the Lord took him to heaven, and he saw heaven. And, and in, that, in that visitation to heaven, he saw all these uh, warehouses, and every, and every one of these warehouses were brand new body parts, brand new body parts that were, he was sending to, sending to earth. And I just felt like the Lord told me to share that story with him. And I said, well, I'm just going to tell you right now, I believe that God doesn't just want to mend your heart. He wants to give you a brand new heart. And we all just prayed over him to have a brand new heart. Now, that's, that's a bit of a risk. <laughs> but I didn't know how much of a risk until I got a, a, an email from his m- mother this week and said, I just, I just want to tell you, I cannot put into words what, what Sunday meant for us. He said, uh, he, my son couldn't tell you all that was wrong with him it would have taken forever. He's had a heart problem since he was born. He's had, I reread the email uh, uh, after service. There was four open heart surgeries, like six weeks, two years old, 10 years old, 16 years. It was like, it was just nonstop. And actually tomorrow they're going uh, to Cook's Medical to, to check on this valve that was supposed to give him 10 years, but it's only given him seven and we're already starting to see some, some complications. And I'll just be 100% honest with you, as I'm reading that story, in the email, all I could think about is everything I said the Sunday before. God's going to get, I, I looked at that man. And I said, God's going to give you a brand new heart. But as I read the rest of that e- email, I saw a mother who said, I, we've just never experienced a miracle. I've, your church is the first time I've ever encountered the presence of God like this. We come in here every single Sunday and we encounter the presence of God, but I've never seen a miracle. And I'm asking you to stay in faith for a miracle because when we go to the doctor, this doctor has worked on this on my son since he was a boy. And if there's a new heart in there, they will know. They will have no doubt that God is real and that God did a miracle. So I'm going to tell you right now, right now I'm in the realm of faith. That mom's in the realm of faith. Many people around, I had a woman come up to me after the service and say, man, I, I need to lay hands on that that boy, I, 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 my, I can't stop thinking about him. I want to pray for him. My, my dad, her dad, her dad walked up beside her. Her dad came to this church with major heart problems. And the Lord completely healed him of his heart problems. And he's still here today because God healed his heart. And you could see it in that woman's face. I want to pray for that boy because I'm not just in faith. I got no doubt that my God can give him a brand new heart. Why? Why? Why Why is there such conviction? Because she's seen it. She's seen it. She's seen God work. Why does God want us to put our faith into action? So he can show us that it works. So that he can actually do the miracle so that we go from faith to no doubt. And I told that woman, I said, you know, I, they're not here today. I think their appointment's tomorrow. But I'm just telling you. I've never wanted to go for it. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever wanted to go for it more than in a moment like that. I want every single person in this church, I want every single person in that that young man's family, I want things to start happening where you almost don't even have to have faith. You look at it and you go, man, I don't even know if I believe that, but it just happened. 
We've seen this happen in our church over and over and over again. But can I just say this? You can come into this environment where we're all full of faith and you can hear the word and you've got the faith of so many people joining together. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. So there's this, this supernatural power that happens in gatherings like this when everyone's kind of pulling in the same direction, going in the same direction. But I'd also like to tell you, you can activate the word in your own life and start seeing things like this happen every single day in your own life when you make the decision to stop just being a hearer of the word but becoming a doer only. Deciding I'm not just going to be satisfied with being a Christian, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. When it doesn't make sense, I'm going to follow him. When it scares the heck out of me, I'm going to follow him. I need fruit in my life. I need to be obedient to the word of God, respond to the word of God, so that I can go from not just having faith, but having no doubt in him so that I can be the person next time when someone says, hey, I've got this mountain. This mountain's called cancer. This mountain's called divorce. I can say to that mountain, get out of here, and it goes. Something happens. Something happens when you choose not just to be here, but a doer. The Christ in you starts to come out of you. The power in you starts to come, be, become the power going out of you and changing the world around you. I don't just, don't get, don't get this twisted. I want people to know Jesus and I want people to get saved. But I can't just be satisfied with making Christians. We have to make disciples. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.